Welcome to the St. Paul's Episcopal Church podcast. Here, we will share our thoughts, voices, and prayers. St. Paul's is a progressive community of faith with ancient roots. You can find out more about St. Paul's at their website, stpauls.dioup.org, or find us on Facebook. If you would like to share your words on this podcast, send us a message. May God's peace be with you today and always. twice a week, 819. Some thoughts on some of the lectionary texts for this Sunday, which would be 1 Kings chapter 8, verses from Psalm 84, Joshua 24, verses from Ephesians 6, 10 to 20, John 6, 56, 69. They're presented as a bulleted list, um, and I use this sound to represent bullet point and the start of a new thought. So, probably works best if you've looked them over ahead of time, or at least have them at hand to uh, scan as we go along. First Kings 8, variety of verses, between 1 and 43. So Solomon brings the ark, the representation of God's presence on earth, which has been down in the lower harbor park, and sets it up in the inner room of this impressive building. Is this a positive development? If we have an elegant, dramatic, impressive, historic building, what are the good things about that? And what are the difficult things? What issues arise when the interface with God is in some sense hidden away? in the inner chamber with only the priests, maybe only the high priest, having access to it. Do we have a direct access to God, a royal telephone, a hotline to God, call him up and tell him what you want? What is the appropriate role of the priest? This epiphany, the cloud, the glory, have you ever experienced anything like that? Where? When? So the priests cannot handle being in the room, but Solomon can? Hmm. Solomon lifts up God's faithfulness, the covenant, and steadfast love, and claims the ark in the temple is the fulfillment of God's covenant with David. Think so? Or is Solomon putting the stamp of God's action on his own effort? Are we ever tempted to do that? And will God dwell on earth? Solomon kind of dances around here. Just what is in that inner room? God's name, the interface with God, 
the place where God checks God's messages each morning? Where does God dwell in your understanding? And hear the plea of the Israelites also when foreigners come to hear about God's wonderful power and come with their pleas, hear them as well, that all will know. So, would this include the Palestinians? Does it include you and me? If foreigners, people of other faith traditions, come to pray in our church, what would happen? I did a baptism once where one of the sponsors was Jewish, which raised one or two eyebrows. I said, well, yeah, that sponsor is not going to teach the child about the Christian faith or provide a Christian community for the child to be a part of, but if it came down to it, that sponsor would transport the child to someone who would. Psalm 84. There could have been a psalm to sing on your pilgrimage to the temple in Jerusalem, or it could have been a song for those who stayed home. The joy of pilgrimage, churches in England, at least small country Methodist ones, often had a homecoming Sunday when people who had moved away would come back for a special service, meals, etc. The United Methodist Church in Centennial in the Keweenaw used to hold a homecoming service each summer, even though the church itself was no longer operating. The sparrows and the swallows find a home. Pigeons, bats in the belfry. Are we down with little creatures finding a home in the church, like mice? A couple of our favorite lines to enjoy. A day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. And I would rather be the doorkeeper, usher, custodian in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Hmm, what goes on in the tents of wickedness? And then this comment, this psalm is a celebration of Zion. It was no doubt sung by the choirs of the Jerusalem temple in celebration of the temple. Thus it lives at the edge of self-congratulation. Every such exaltation of the church as building or institution runs the risk of falling in love with an idol. And this one, in an inordinately utilitarian climate like ours, it is crucial to see that God is end and not means. Communion is the thing, the fulfillment of human life, this poem does not seek communion with God as a means toward anything else. How, when, do you experience communion with God? Joshua 24, 1 and 2, and 14 to 18. Again, one of our favorite lines, Choose this day whom you will serve, as for me and my house we will serve the Lord. I don't know, did you grow up singing? I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, no turning back. And did you sing along with Bob Dylan? You know you got to serve somebody. Joshua is getting ready to die and turn the leadership of the people to the succession of judges whom God will raise up to address specific situations. In verses 2 to 13, he recites all the ways God has acted to save them. And then I love it, he says, who are you going to serve? And they say, we will serve the Lord. And he says, no way you're going to be able to do that. Okay, the passage ends before we get there, but that's how the story continues. And when they say, no, we will serve the Lord, Joshua says, 
than get rid of the gods you brought out of Egypt or happened to pick up along the way. Joshua is one of the minimalists. There is still time to get into the book discussion. And one final note, this story was put in its final form during the Babylonian exile, when in fact the people had not been able to serve the Lord and were suffering the consequences. At least that's the traditional way of understanding what happened. We come back to the question of whether we can adequately serve the Lord in the reading from Ephesians and the Gospel. So Ephesians 6, 10 to 20, conflict of good and evil surpasses our own human understanding and limitations. Evil is not just the sum of human misdeeds, though that is no small sum. How do you think about evil in the world? So put on the armor of God. How comfortable are we with these images? To have kids in Sunday school picking up swords and shields and helmets? Note that the pieces of armor represent qualities of God, not humans. Does the reality of the struggle justify strong images? One writer notes that Charles Wesley wrote 16 or 17 verses of the hymn, Soldiers of Christ Arise, which has shrunk down to two or three verses in most of our hymnals if it didn't get tossed out with onward Christian soldiers. And also notes that it was retained in the hymnal of the peace-oriented Mennonites. John 6, 56 to 69, still more about the bread. And some accept and some wander off. God has a hand in it, and it is mystery. Have there been times when you wandered off? Why did you come back? Okay, confession. At one time, I came back because I thought the church would be a good place to meet girls. Fundamental offense in the words and work of Jesus is the offense of grace. It is sometimes stated gently, we have life from the bread that God gives. It is sometimes stated bluntly so as to offend all our claims of free will and self-determination. No one can come to me unless that person has been drawn of God. This is truly the hard saying, but the issue is clear. Do we preside over life demanding that Jesus do as Moses did, calling for signs as proof? so we can decide whether or not to believe, electing Jesus King by our acclamation, or do we accept the gift from heaven? The bread in the wilderness was a gift. The bread as the word from heaven was and is a gift. The bread of the Eucharist is a gift. Take, eat, and live. That's Fred Craddock. In the prayer, loving God, we are intensely aware of the evil and suffering in the world from the conflict in Afghanistan to the earthquake in Haiti. Some of it is a result of human misdeeds. Some of it just is. How grateful we are that you also just are and just are steadfast love and faithfulness. Show us how we can resist evil and share love in all your creation just as Jesus did. That's what I got for now.